On this episode, India's not here, and I talk startup life. Gary Vay, Nerd Chuck, and this is episode 197 of the Ask Gary V Show. Stefan, how you doing? Good, how are you doing? Me too, man, really good. Good weekend, fantasy baseball draft was this weekend. That was a lot of fun. Uh, we drafted here, right here, I was right there. Did really well. Uh, really excited to be back on a normal show. This is slightly, a little bit less normal. So first of all, India is not India today. <laughs> Why don't you tell the Vayner Nation who you are? Hi everyone, I'm Sam. Um, I'm a senior account executive at VaynerMedia. How long have you been here, Sam? I've been here for about six months. How's it going? It's going great. Like super great. Like super great. <laughs> and where are you from? I'm from New Jersey. Where? East Brunswick. Love it, right by Edison. Mm-hmm. Next, you like that? You like Jersey? I knew you was gonna say. Something. Oh, you knew that. <laughs> um, so Sam, Sam works on a very important account for me. As some of you might remember, uh, if you've been following my ways. This is right before Daily V and Snapchat, so you may not know this, but I went up to Buffalo late last year, in the middle of the football season, by the way, so it was tough territory, uh, part of an organization, 43 North, which has an incredible, incredible um, program for startups from all over the world uh, that submitted thousands and thousands of um, submissions last year. We worked on it last year. Jordy Levy, a good friend of mine, uh, is heavily involved in the in the whole rebirth of Buffalo and, and that part of New York. Um, and they're bringing amazing startups to the area. And I got to judge last year um, the competition where we saw the best of the best, the last 13 or so uh, startups. We windled it down and we rewarded a lot of money, a ton of money. So. This episode is very much themed for that. This is very personal for me. Want to get the word out for all of you. There's so many of you that are building meaningful startups. Um, and, and very honestly, the, uh, the uh, submission forms and things of that nature take time. So I'm telling you right now that, that I'm trying to really help you not waste an hour. Like the, the filter's pretty real. Um, and actually Sam, why, why don't you give some more context on some of the nuts and bolts since you're obviously working on it of, uh, of the competition. Sure. So, um, as Gary said, it's an amazing competition for startups. They're awarding $5 million to the top. Um, yeah, the grand prize is a million. And sort of questions today come in asking Gary, like, what this could do for a startup and how this could help you. But beyond that, you also get mentorship from some of the top people. The kicker is they have to move to Buffalo for a year, right? Buffalo, um, and I know the, not the, I don't know what's happening with the winners of ours, but I know the year before that company stayed there. And so, they can stay or leave eventually, but obviously it has to go there in the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously Buffalo prefers you like right. set up shop, yeah. right? And it's amazing some of the companies that are down there and like before, I had no context Buffalo before working on this account yep. and it's like an incredible area for startups in general too. 100%. And the incubator space. I mean, I think a lot of you that know and a lot of you have emailed me in, whether it's Chattanooga, Tennessee where we have an office or Columbus, Ohio or just it seems like every city is clearly recognizing the need for digital driven company talent in their ecosystem is incredibly powerful. It's the new industrial revolution. So I, I've been very passionate about it. I, I got to spend a lot of time, you know, it's, this is tough for me because I hate the Buffalo Bills. 
<laughs> and I know, like, it is just, it is what it is. Uh, but it's amazing how much I love the uh, people involved in this organization. The, it was probably one of the better two-day events that I've spent time in and, and I'm excited that we're involved. And again, a couple things that I don't know, this is, you know, I don't know these kind of things. Are, are company, people that are watching right now, if this gets passed on to, you know, startups of, uh, of friends, couple quick questions. One, your startup can be in motion. Like, mm-hmm. you can be in a place where you can use this million dollars, and this is my advice, this is why I'm asking this, this is a setup. You can use that million dollars instead of going and getting funding from somewhere else. So many of you have companies, I'm getting tens of thousands of emails a month of people that have companies that are looking to raise money that already have some traction. I highly recommend those companies enter this competition because you can subsidize that grant prize for that. You won't dilute your company as much. Plus, instead of wasting all that time pitching VC after VC, it's in this ecosystem. But you have to have the scrappiness and the mentality of willing to go and understand that you're moving to Buffalo for that year and this competition. Number two, because I know it's like kind of rounds up later in the year. Is there a link that Safana and I can have now? Like, are people ready to submit now? When's the submission period starting? It, it started already. Okay. Um, and it ends May thirty first. Oh crap! So we need so to get it. Yeah. Close, yeah. Okay. So everybody, like, we can have the link up. We're ready to go. Yeah. Great. Anything else? I think that's it. Okay. Well, are you ready to read some questions? I am. Good. Let's do it. Taylor asks, "How does a startup know when to add staff? What positions are most critical to line up first? So Taylor, and by the way, before I get into your answer, Taylor, obviously this is a startup-themed episode in honor of the 43 North competition. Um, Taylor, I think that um, there's a lot of ways to go about this. Uh, I think you reverse engineer the founders of the company. So there's a lot of things that are needed. Financial understanding is needed. Marketing understanding is needed. Product understanding is needed. There's a lot of needs when you're a small company. I think what you need to do is First, you hire as soon as you can afford to. Way too many, like, there's startups that I know that are literally paying their founders and CEOs way too much money and because they want to take the money home. I mean, you've got to start spending it to invest in your business but not more than you have. And so if you make, you know, thirty or $40,000 a year as an entrepreneur, that's plenty. You're building an asset for yourself for the rest of your life. It's better than making 100 so you can take that 70000 and go and hire your head of marketing. Hire a project manager. Hire whatever needs you have. Who to hire is actually quite easy in my opinion. You hire around the thing that you believe you most need that you yourself can't most provide. I don't hire salespeople very quickly in my companies. I don't hire you know, HR people very quickly. We didn't have a HR department or a sales staff for the first five of the seven years of VaynerMedia and everybody thought that was so crazy because those are the things that I did. Those are the things that I could do with my hustle. But we did have a CFO and a legal person very quickly over our means because those were shortcomings. I think AJ could have probably learned it on the job but those are things we didn't have as much of. So I think what you hire first is the thing you need to round out your team with. Even if it's not, let's say sales is more important than legal but you're great at sales. I think you still fix legal even though it's less in priority because by doubling down on a person you're still zero here and you might just gain 20 to 50% here where maybe your hustle and your efforts can just be the part that gains. And so I think sometimes people say, well, sales is the number one thing for this company and even though I'm great at sales, I'm gonna hire a second salesperson and we'll get to that. I find it to be a vulnerability. I would say up your game by 20 to 40% and allow you to fill some of the other needs that could become vulnerabilities uh, on your team. Cool. Second question is a video submission. Let's do it. It comes from Ace at Painless1099. Oh, I know this guy, Ace. Just so you guys know, very nice job. <laughs> Ace was one of the finalists 
One of my favorite, fi- please wear, look how swaggy he looks. This guy is awesome, you're about to see. I loved, he was probably the standout personality for me in the competition. Hey Gary, Ace from Painless 1099. Really quick question. You and other VCs see a ton of deals come across your plate. My question is, what are two or three things that makes one pitch stand out from all the other ones? Thanks, Gary. Got it. This is gonna be a good episode. We haven't done we haven't done a lot on startup stuff. It's been very entrepreneurial. This is gonna be good. Ace, what stands out ironically is the way I just set up you in this question. For me, the jockey, the 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 she and the he that are pitching me are normally 80% of the equation. So many of you have heard that, you know, the classic story of like basically I knew I was gonna marry my wife five minutes in. If I'm willing to make my biggest life decision, predicate on my intuition, I'm definitely gonna let it do something so secondary like investing. And so the same way I hire, like I'm a funny hire. Like everybody used to want to, um, um, actually watch this, Alex, Alex. This is ironic timing. This is Alex Klein. Alex, get in here. You're making an appearance on the Ask Gary Vee Show. This is literally crazy timing. Okay. Because I was about to say something that is a story that involves you. Okay. Alex Klein, my brother-in-law, this is his brother, who happens to do a ton of recruiting with, from his own firm for Vayner. Is this true or false? Because we gotta go faster and I don't want you to like, okay. I feel like you would take up too much time if okay. I gave you too much. True or false. True or false. Did you, Alex, remember, had a recruiting firm that would make a commission if we were to place somebody? Got it? That's how his business works. True or false. You liked it better when I interviewed people because I almost hired everybody versus everybody else at VaynerMedia. True and false. Okay, go ahead. Because? Well, I think it works out better. I think long term for everybody, I think it works out better with this, with this kind of process that's in place now. Right, instead of me just yeah, shooting from the hip. Just, yeah, but from a fuck part. You can make a DNA. Let's, right? make, let's, make, let's get to actually my point. Oh, okay. Is it true that I'd be more likely to hire somebody after a seven minute meeting and just make a decision? 100%. Okay, cool. That's yeah. it. Thanks, brother. Later. See you later. Right. Bye. Big Mets loss opening day, sorry. Oh, David, David Wright. Uh, <laughs> so, the funny thing is he happened to be walking by, love the serendipity of all that. That's the punchline. I hire in four seconds. I, I, I make decisions based on my intuition, but a startup has to have an idea in a genre that I like. If you're doing eSports, if you're doing VR, B2B, if you're doing uh, fully integrated brand direct-to-consumer, consumer packaged goods, if you're doing things I believe in and I like your style, very quickly, then that's something that I'm gonna be open up to. If you have uh, those same things and I don't like your style, I'm definitely out. And if you have something that's not in my wheelhouse that I believe is gonna make money, but I'm in love with your style, I can be intrigued and sold into you. So the ones that get my deals are usually genres I like and I liked the jockey, the CEO. I believe that she and he can navigate even changing it along the way because that's what happens in startup. That's my intuition. Some people that get my money is, I don't really know that much about the space or passionate about it, but, I'm, but I think you're a superstar. You'd have to be even better than the first group. The things that don't get are things that I don't like or I don't like the genre and definitely I don't like the individual. I don't feel like they're gonna see it through. Thanks Ace. Let's keep going. Alex Klein making an appearance. <laughs> There's a lot of new characters Niall. on today's show. From Niall. Niall. Niall asks, Ideas alone can only get you so far, but once you've gotten off the ground, what does an investor need to see to invest in a startup? Well, I think investors all act very differently. There's some black and white binary investors who are looking for math to add up, right? Like, here are your sales, here's your cost of acquisition, you know, your monthly burn, like just 
pure financial decisions, and then other uh, investors are betting on the hyper growth. You've gone from zero to 50,000 users in two minutes. I predict that you're gonna go to five million users. You're not making any money, but you're gonna grow faster and you're gonna hit a home run and I'm okay with the burn and the financial issues because you're gonna raise more money as you get bigger and bigger. And so you're betting on hardcore financial principles or you're betting on the anticipation of hyper growth. I think one thing to keep in mind is once you're off the ground, people have something to judge. So I think a lot of people get away with invest in getting investors just on ideas, which I think is a vulnerability to the whole ecosystem. But it's funny, I've always been fascinated by companies that are making money and have a year's worth of data, oftentimes aren't as sexy as the idea because investors get romanced in the upside without any practical data versus, well, I already know what you've done for a year. And so I think a lot of youngsters have been crafty and getting investment before they have a product, which I think has led to a much higher return of failures, which I think people need to become more practical. And, and so I think, you know, just for everybody and for you, um, once you have some data, be prepared to be grilled a little bit more because people have something to judge. And I think that's great and healthy and needs to be more of the standard. Cool. Next video submission. Okay. It is from Caitlin and Christine. Caitlin and Christine. Wow. Yes, I remember these gals. They were awesome. HR, I love it. Hi, Gary. For an early stage startup that just received 500000 600000 or a million dollars in capital, what are the critical things they should be looking to address? Uh, these guys have a great company. Let's make sure we link up both Aces and their company and Plum's company in my description. Stefan, make sure you team up with Sam on that. Um, Well look, I mean, first and foremost, you don't want to blow it. I mean, the amount of people that have blown through their five and six hundred and million dollars in cash because they didn't have a strategy of what they were gonna do with the money is unbelievable. It's unbelievable how much cash and wallet is just burning for so many startup founders. It's it's quite sad. Um, So I think you have to have a real plan for it. And then again, no different than the first question on this episode. You have to have a strategy on where you're gonna deploy it. What are your biggest needs? To me, I like to invest in things that bring back dollars in the, uh, in the midterm. I don't need the short term, but I don't need the longest term. I think sometimes people are too, you know, it's funny. Ideas are shit until execution, I like to say a lot, because I think most founders get caught on one side or the other. Some founders take $500,000 and they want that $500,000 to make them $800,000. It's all transactional sales conversion. Other founders start thinking about what their company needs in three years. In three years, we're gonna need video editing software, so let's buy that now. And you didn't even get to those three years, and by the time you, you know, by the time you spend all that money, that was what created the scenario of you never getting to those three years from now. So I think much like marketing in the year that you live in, day trading attention, some of my marketing principles, I deploy in my operating principles. What is the most important thing with that money right this second that isn't short-term sales turn to 500 into 600,000, but what is not the, we're gonna need this in three years, so let's spend it. And, And by the way, furniture and rent and all these things, that's where people waste money. Like AJ and I started this company in, in a, uh, in a, in a conference room of another company. Like, like, Vayner, like, this is not a super fancy office, right? Yeah, it's good, I'm happy about that. Like, we got, I mean, this is actually pretty fancy compared to where we were a year ago. So like, you know, people just waste money on a lot of things that don't matter. Now, it can't be so screwed up in here that people don't want to come here, but you know, we don't need like $8,000 recliner chairs for everybody and that's what a lot of startups do, it's 
crazy. They like spend more time and energy on like how fancy the coffee machine's gonna be than actually building a goddamn business. So what do you do with it? You better know what to do with it or your startup's in deep shit. Don't ask Gary V, I hate third person. Don't ask me. Like figure out what to do with it. Make it practical as hell because that money will disappear fast and the only thing that will disappear faster is your hopes and dreams about your business if you don't know what to do with it. <laughs> you like that? I loved it. <laughs> it's real, right? Yeah. Jersey. Jersey. Efferent Labs asks, when assessing the scalability for a company, what are the things you look for? Um, you know, Zach, I'm not looking for much. I'm usually doing that homework and living that business life beforehand. It's not hard for me. I don't ever struggle with understanding. Oh, you know what? I was. I don't know if you noticed in my face there, Stefan. I was like thinking about it. Like, I see what's happening. I have such a good understanding of end kind consumer dynamics, the marketplace, the market, the stuff I talk about for the last. 10 years of my life, a lot of venture capitalists don't, a lot of business people don't, but what I'm really good at is understanding demand. I understand the customer. So I rarely ever struggle with being like, well who's gonna buy your thing? Like I can make those connections in my head pretty easily. And so I'm not spending a lot, anything is scalable. Anything is scalable in theory um, because you can either humanly scale it or you can scale it with technology. You just have to understand if people want it. Like do people want mattresses sent to their home. Like that's where people messed up with Casper and those kind of companies. Uh, did people, you know, Uber. You know, we thought that was gonna be a 1% problem when we first heard it. I'm, those early conversations were like, well okay, there's enough rich people. Like maybe we underestimated the fact that everybody wants to buy time. We didn't understand that. $8 green juice. You know, like that maybe didn't seem right to a lot of people because like who's gonna pay that? Well, people were, are paying luxury fees now for their body and their health. And so this generation, the kids, the, you know, and not just the kids, I like to make that joke, millennials and Gen X and everybody, everybody now is more willing to spend money on their health and wellness versus an 80 inch screen television. Like the 1980s and 90s mentality of an 80 inch screen television and the most expensive car you could get has been replaced with 60 inch television solidly awesome car, but an extra $20,000 to buy you know, $8 green juices and a one year subscription to SoulCycle. So if you didn't understand that was happening, you missed it. So you know, it's, you know, do I think people would pay $50 to go to the movies? The answer is yes. Has there been an execution that I've seen that makes me feel like that's the right bet? I haven't yet. I know Cuban's got some stuff in his world, but like, will people pay $50 to go to movies? Absolutely. Has anybody really executed the added values that force people at all income levels to do it? Not yet, but if I saw somebody pitch me it, I'd be like, yes, that could happen. And so I have a good understanding for consumer to understand where things are going. So how do I navigate? Do I think there's demand currently or could be bubbled up quickly to justify the value and the life cycle of that business? Or is it too early? Venture, uh, VR consumer. Like do I think that enough people have VR units at home to watch seven hours worth of content? I don't and so I'm not investing in the companies that are selling based on that reality because I don't think that's gonna happen in 24 months. So the punchline is do I believe the consumers are gonna do it in a short enough period of time so that the business can actually make money in that life cycle? Cool. Cool. Last video submission. Last. Comes from Energy Intelligence. Yes, let's do it. Hey Gary, what's going on? 
There are a lot of reasons why startups are flocking to Silicon Valley in New York, but it seems like emerging startup markets are becoming increasingly viable. What are cities like Buffalo doing right? Um, I don't. I don't. I think it's becoming viable because people are all buying into the dream. What they're doing right is there's more money available to invest in startups. Startups are um, are simple animals. They want expertise, mentorship, and money. Silicon Valley is going to win because there's a lot of developers in San Francisco and things of that nature. And if you're going for big, big tech ideas, you need that talent. Things that Buffalo and New Jersey and even New York don't fully have as much the kind of engineering talent that a San Francisco has. So if you've got an eBay or a Facebook or you know or um, a Microsoft ambition, well then you've got to really debate being out there to have the engineering talent. But in the beginning, these things can start anywhere. Facebook started in Boston. Pinterest started in Pennsylvania. Like you can start them anywhere. And more importantly, if you're doing things that are not grossly reliant on engineering talent, you can do them anywhere. And the things that Buffalo and Cleveland and Detroit and Columbus, Ohio and Chattanooga, Tennessee are doing is that the rich people in those areas are starting to write checks to startups. And so then it becomes agnostic. And more importantly, there's such a rejuvenation of city life across the whole country. So, you know, all these, really it's amazing to see the cities of America go from places that were seedy, <laughs> ironically, to uh, you know having high ceiling lofts that are a great price and coffee shops and like cool wine bars. Like we're living through a very interesting time in the city rejuvenation of uh, the United States, and with that comes the natural artists and tech talent. Um, and so I think what they're doing right is they're riding the wave. To be very frank with you, uh, and I also think that there are wealthy 50, 60, 70, and 80 year olds in those towns that love their town, right? That want to see it succeed. Um, I've even had feelings towards Jersey on this issue and I'm still fairly young. Like when I'm 70, 80, I'll definitely want to make like Edison, New Jersey, like an ecosystem of something. So I think um, those practical behaviors is why. It's just the evolution of the marketplace. Cool. cool. Thanks for doing your part. Yeah. Enjoyed it? I loved it. No worries. Uh, question of the day. Um, tell me your startup story. This is an opportunity for me to look at the comments section of both Facebook and YouTube do so much good for you. Some of you that follow me on Instagram see when I say tell this community about yourself and it's your favorite post because you get to talk about yourself. In the comments section today tell me your startup story aka tell the world about your startup or B tell me a story about your sister's startup or how you were part of a startup in the 90s that failed and this is what happened, or your favorite startup. Tell me your startup story. And for all of you that are serious, make sure you click the links below and sign up for the 43 North competition. You know, I don't think I get to be a judge. I don't think they do back-to-back judges, but hopefully it works out with the Jets bill schedule or I might just fly up there for the day, depending on how many of you, if if any of you make it to the finals, I'll shoot up there and say hey. Cool, you keep asking questions, I'll keep answering them.